everyone, I'm Laura Kaluger, Senior Editor with MHN, and you're listening to the last episode in 2022 of our quarterly podcast series with National Apartment Association Specialists. Everyone in the multifamily industry is preparing to wrap up this year, so I've invited Paula Munger, the expert leading NAA's research efforts, to talk about multifamily trends, challenges, and what to expect in the year to come. Hi, Paula. Welcome back. It's nice to be able to talk to you again. Hi, Laura. Great being back. So how was 2022 for the multifamily industry? What are the top takeaways from this year? Well, we started out really strong. You know, we had that momentum from the really crazy great year last year. Um, But then by the third quarter, we started seeing the effects of inflation, um, Mm -hmm. interest rate increases, and the economic uncertainty. I mean, we started seeing month-over-month rent declines. You know, year-over-year, it still looks pretty good. Um, slowdown in leasing that was beyond seasonality and negative absorption. So um, we're dealing with that right now, some some um, moderating of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the most important initiatives that was launched this year was the Housing Supply Action Plan. It's still pretty early, but has it produced any effects? How are the goals stated in the in the plan being executed so far? Yeah, um, you're right in that it's still kind of early to tell. Um, but we're hopeful it's going to spur some municipalities to be zoning and other regulations so that um, more rental housing can be built. Um, but broadly, it's a really good step in the right direction. It won't resolve every problem, um, <laughs> but it has really good elements. Um, mortgage rates are keeping prospective buyers in rentals, but how are mortgage rates impacting rental apartment development? Is the construction boom also slowing? Yeah, I mean, we're we're starting to see lapses, larger time lapses between projects that are permitted and projects that get started. In fact, it hit um, a record high um, last month or the month before that. Um, and several organizations, including the National Association of Home Builders and Fannie Mae, are predicting really steep drops in multifamily starts in 2023. Um, some, um, I think Fannie's forecast calls for a 29% decrease. Um, but next year is probably going to see um, um, a record, at least a multi-decade decade record for completions. So mm-hmm. depending on which um, depending on which um, private sector data source you, you use, it's anywhere between 430 and 500,000 units, which is a lot. So I think projects in the pri- pipeline will get completed. They've already been financed, obviously, but um, financing available availability has tightened. And with the cost of capital um, increasing, we do expect to see those um, numbers coming down in terms of new construction. And besides these uh, reasons that you you just uh, um, told me about, are there any other type of barriers to building that developers will continue to face in 2023? Yeah, we're seeing challenges in the labor market in terms of construction workers. Um, so the number of job openings is greater um, than the number of job hires. And even though we expect inflation to ease, we're really not going to see the um, impacts of that until the end of 2023. So they'll still be dealing with the cost and materials increases. Um, we also expect to see more challenges around um, regulations. Um, our government affairs team with the split Congress, as they'd like to say, if you can't legislate, you regulate. Um, mm-hmm. So unfortunately, that is probably what we're looking at in 2023 and 2024, um, more um, um, more regulations trying to get passed through. Mm-hmm. 
What can you tell us about the rate of household formation? To what extent is, is household formation driving apartment demand in 2023? Yeah, it's really demand is so dependent on that. And um, we actually saw a decline in household formation for renters in um, the second and third quarters of this year. So around 577,000 fewer occupied renter households. But remember, this came after the boom, the post-pandemic boom starting in late 2020. Yeah, where people just, you know, started moving out of their parents' house and um, getting their own apartments. And we had 3.4 million more renter households um, between that time and just up to the second quarter. But we are starting to see that. So um, with the uncertainty, with inflation, renters are either doubling up, um, combining households, or again, going back to parents' households just to manage these high costs and also to prepare for a possible recession. Are there any other factors that will fuel apartment demand in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think we we think a recession is is pretty likely to occur, and obviously that always impacts demand, um, especially if we see widespread job losses. So there's no indication that that's going to happen, but if we get a more serious recession, it could. But when you look at sectors that withstand other prior recessions, like workforce housing, middle income housing, um, I think we can still expect sustained demand. Um, And if we don't have a recession, we have one in five people right now are Gen Z. Um, The oldest of them is 25. And Mm -hmm. um, so we expect some steady demand from them in the coming years. And the other thing, I I want to talk about millennials, because (laughs) we we know they're buying homes. Um, Their home ownership rate has increased anywhere between one and 2% over the past say year and a half, it's a little hard to gauge because the age ranges for census don't exactly line up with millennial ages, but we know they're buying houses. Um, But we have to remember how large this generation is. So there's still 17.7 million of them are still under the age of 30. Um, And not all of those are going to want to buy a home right now or will have the financial means to buy a home. So we're still pretty confident that we have the demographics behind us. Right. Are there any areas of the country that you expect to be more in demand? Um, and why is that? Yeah, I think I think we'll still see the Sun Belt strong. Now, we're starting to see some weakness there. And there's a couple markets where we're actually seeing year over year rent declines. But again, there was that huge run up in 2021. So that's not really surprising. I think it's still really attractive. People have been moving there for decades. Um, you know, better weather, usually more affordable. Um, So I think those markets will continue to do well. And then when we look at um, more people going back to the office, I think um, suburbs that are also doing um, already Mm -hmm. doing pretty well, um, they're going to still sustain strong demand. We don't we know anecdotally that um, um, people who have to go into an office don't really can tolerate a bad commute if it's only one or two times a week. So I think as we do get more people called back that, that those um, suburbs are going to continue to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of NIA's research papers in 2022 found that the industry would need 4.3 million more units by 2035 to meet demand. How is the brewing recession interfering with this need? Yeah, it's it's really not, and and there's a couple reasons for that. The um the forecast already has two downturns built into it, so oh, okay. it's factoring in yeah, so it's factoring in periods of decreased demand, 
And the other thing is we look at it as a long-term outlook, so a cumulative 14-year forecast, meaning on average, including the gap, we have around a gap of 600,000 units, and that's what the 4.3 number um, nets out to. That means we need over 300,000 apartments per year. And there's going to be years like next year where it's well (laughs) above that, where we might see 500,000 coming online. And then certainly in following years where we'll where we will fall far short of that. So longer term, we still feel good about that forecast. Okay. You previously mentioned regulation. Should we expect rent control initiatives to spread throughout the country next year? Or are policymakers more likely to ease such restrictions as it happened in St. Paul, Minnesota in September, where the city council voted to update its harsh rent control policies to stimulate developers to, to keep building? Yeah. Um, yeah, that, I think it's still going to spread because it is seen as an easy fix by policymakers. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know there's a lot of problems with it, but it's, you know, you look at your constituents and you say, oh, sure, we're, we're going to make sure your rent never goes up. Um, and, and we know um, the repercussions, it's never good. <laughs> and it usually <laughs> leads to less supply. Um, but I really think they are going to take a hard look at what happened in St. Paul. It's, it almost instantaneously showed up in permitting data, which is really astounding because usually you, 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 it's really hard to separate um, policy and other factors from just market forces. But in St. Paul's case, because you saw that really, like I said, almost immediate impact on permits, I think a lot of policymakers are going to be looking at that in the future. Um, most of the people in, working in the industry expect the Federal Reserve to, to keep increasing uh, interest rates in 2023. How will that impact the industry, even though the magnitude of, of interest rate increases is expected to ease? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always never easy to predict what the Fed's going to do, <laughs> although they, they are trying to be more and more transparent. I do think they're going to keep increasing, probably at um, a slower pace or lower amounts. Um, and then they'll hold at some point. And in terms of the industry, I mean, we're, we're really sort of already seeing it. I think we're going to have a very slow first quarter and probably first half for transactions um, and certainly new construction, which I already mentioned. You also mentioned affordability at the beginning of our conversation. And affordability will most likely continue to be a, a growing and widespread issue next year. What incentives will developers have at hand next year? Yeah, there's a lot, as you know, it's this real estate is very local, but there are, um, there's a lot going on across the country and, and a lot of it's good. Um, California, where we usually don't um, look to for, um, um, for, for housing friendly policies, but it, they actually have a few new laws that are aimed at addressing affordability. They're good steps in the right direction. They're simplifying processes. They are actually um, areas that are zoned for either commercial retail or parking can have by right residential development, multifamily mm-hmm. development, which is great. Um, they're also um, prohibiting um, minimum parking requirements for certain types of residential development. Um, so easing that, especially as inflationary pressures start to ease as well, simplifying the entitlement process is going to go a long way. Um, in Illinois, we're also seeing some um, initiatives to, um, they're talking about grant programs and tax credits and other financial incentives to increase the supply of affordable um, apartments. So so lots of good things going on around across the country. That's nice to hear. Um, let's yeah. go back for a bit to labor shortages and how those impact 
the, the industry. Do you expect these, these staffing issues to continue to be a top concern for multifamily property managers next year? I do. I mean, the labor market is still really strong. It's just starting to maybe cool slightly, but only slightly. You know, we're still having record high openings. And in fact, actually, if you look at just the real estate sector, we saw an increase in their job openings rate of over three percentage points since the pandemic started. That's only second to the leisure and hospitality industry. Um, and so if it's a mild recession, like, like we expect, I just don't see enough changes occurring in the labor market that's going to help, unfortunately. And we also mm-hmm. have to think that it, there's, there's structural shifts in the labor market right now, too, and like um, an aging population, lots of retirements, decreased immigration. And unfortunately, I think that's going to be um, a, an, an issue and a challenge for um, multifamily property managers for quite a few years to come. And besides attracting and retaining talent, is there anything else that will continue to keep corporate and on-site teams up at night? Yeah, I mean, they're still looking at increasing costs. That, that's huge. And when you have that coupled with uh, moderation and, and even um, um, potential softening in rents, that's going to be mm-hmm. something they're really going to need to look at. And also, of course, um, still the, the high interest rates that's going to impact Um, any sort of acquisition plans, any sort of capital improvements, um, and also the prospect for recession. So that's that's really what what they're thinking about right now. And one last question. How can multifamily owners and investors optimize their businesses right now to prepare for entering recession territory in 2023? Yeah, I mean, I think they're really going to have to take a look at costs. Obviously, if, if, you know, at some point you're not going to be able to to push rents, especially in a recessionary environment where some people might be losing their jobs. So right. looking at cost cutting, uh, yeah, and some of that can be done through um, technology. We saw some firms um, after the pandemic adopt um, uh, virtual tours and things like that, and they were able to to um, cut back on some on-site staff. And they're obviously going to need to look at other revenue streams. And that's really asset-specific, things like parking fees, Um, residents are willing to pay for convenience services. Um, and also, um, we see some uh, owners and operators that are partnering with short-term rental platforms, and that helps boost um, income as well. So basically, 2023 will be like looking in the mirror at 2022. <laughs> basically, the first half will yeah, be harder yeah. and the second one will be a bit better. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's going to be a transition year. And, and again, there's no a recession is not guaranteed. It's pretty likely, though, but hopefully it's going to be mild. And we've seen the sector um, come through recessions before, so we, we have no reason to believe it won't be able to, to get through the, the tough Bounce times back. And, mm-hmm. and thrive again. Yeah. Thank you so much, Paula, for sharing your thoughts with our listeners. You're welcome, Laura. I'm looking forward to our next audio meeting in 2023. Until then, visit multihousingnews.com for the latest news, podcasts, and trend stories. Music